Hi, I'm Justin Dye, uh, Chairman and CEO of Schwaz, and we're the leading vertically integrated uh, cannabis company uh, headquartered in Colorado. And now we have operations as well in New Mexico. And when we say vertically integrated from growing the plant all the way through to selling it at retail and having our own retail store. So glad to be here with you today and uh, really proud of what our company is doing and all of our all of our team members and uh, yeah, look forward to, to talking about the company. Great. Justin, lovely to have you back on um, and appreciate you making the time for us because uh, I know things have been busy. Uh, lots of acquisitions since we last spoke. You've listed on the NEO um, a, a, as well. And obviously, the thing I want to talk to you about is the kind of Q1 results. Um, some stellar number numbers there after what was a, what turned out to be a sort of tricky 2021. So. What are, you, what are you most proud of? You know, I'm really, I'm really proud of our ability to get uh, to get our deals done, and uh, we obviously we're now 33 stores in two states. Uh, we have we now have really good growing capabilities. We have two manufacturing campuses uh, in Denver and Albuquerque. I think the ability to continue to grow and outpace our markets. I'm really proud of that. So if you look at it, we've consistently outgrown. Uh, Colorado. Once again, in the first quarter, we outgrew it, uh, the market by 10%. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see better. I think we'll see a better environment the uh, the latter part of this year, but really proud of the team and, and commitment to excellence around retail and launching new products. We launched a vape cartridge uh, under our Purple Bees uh, brand this quarter, and, and it's now in now it's in uh, New Mexico as well. It's doing quite well, and uh, the team's done a nice job. So we're uh, we're off and running, and we look forward to having a great 2022. Yeah, like it, like it's the just to remind people, it's kind of, it's kind of like the the Albertson uh, band got back together and are applying this to to the the cannabis space. Um, the attention to detail around you know, where you're making money, how you're making money and, you know, and, and targeting, I think something we've been through before. And I'll encourage people to go and look at the kind of first interview that we did, which we laid that out because that's the bit that impressed me uh, the most. But um, like I referenced it, last year was tricky. It was tricky in a, it's kind of a strange way. There was all of the kind of COVID money, government money, which kind of came into the space and you, you, you know, you will have benefited, the industry will have benefited from that. That's gone, that's gone away there now. And the markets have come off. It's a high inflation environment. It's a risk off environment and people are hoarding cash. So how do you navigate yourself through those sort of choppy waters? Yeah. You know, it starts, it really starts with good, good financial management and, and attention to detail. So making sure that we're making the right investments in the business, which, which we are through new stores, real estate acquisitions, new products, et cetera. And we really want this business to be uh, growing with profitability. So the business itself is generating free cash flow before we invested in new opportunities that will will create returns uh, for us. So that's really the, the really the focus is run really good retail stores, continue to, to drive customer count and growing our basket at retail launching some new products uh, with our own brands, which uh, we think we're uniquely uh, in a unique position to be able to do that because brands are made at retail. 
So the ability for us to work with good vendor partners, put their products on our shelves and really drive the consumer towards those brands is a very powerful thing. So we're retail forward, as you know, and we think retail, it all starts with retail and uh, providing a a great experience for uh, your customers and patients and then working that backwards. So you've got really efficient supply chains um, in the different different areas, manufacturing and cultivation, distribution, and then having a, a really great house of brands that stand for high quality. So when you look, when you look at that and you look at our ability to uh, you know, generate cash flow from operations this year, we're, we're excited about that, but we've also got, uh, we're aggressively growing. So being able to do that takes, takes finesse, takes, I think, a good team. And, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly doing that. Well, talk, talk, talk to you about the strategy, because this is the thing that intrigues me. It, when, when markets are tough, um, you've got to have the right strategy. You've got to be able to deliver that strategy. You've got to have the people to deliver that strategy. And the economics need to stack up, right? So you're, you start off in Colorado. You're now in New Mexico. I know it's not apples for apples precisely in terms of, you know, can you, can you compare those two yet? But you'll get there. Um, yeah. But... Colorado, it, it was a kind of, again, sort of tr- tricky, you, you talk about some of the headwinds that you came up against there and that you've been dealing with. Maybe start with that. Um, and then I'll kind of get to the, the heart of the question I actually want you to answer. You know, I think, I think when you look at, when you look at Colorado, we've had, we've had a number of growers uh, get new licenses in Colorado. And this happens at every state that it, it goes up and I mean, prices go up and they go down based on supply and demand. So you know, we've seen a number of uh, cultivators come online. Now we're seeing, we've seen pricing deflation in terms of wholesale flour uh, in the market. We've also seen that translate into uh, distillate pricing, which we're one of the largest distribute uh, or distillate manufacturers in the state. So you you see pricing pressure there. But what I'm, you know, what I think the team's done a nice job of doing is continue to work with customers to drive, you know, drive unit growth and still grow during those, you know, during that environment. So I think the ability to do that, I think is really important. And uh, I think we're going to see more and more, um, more and more opportunities for, uh, for us to grow market share there. And I think you're going to see weaker competitors um, falling out. We're starting to see some of that. And then, New Mexico is at a very exciting uh, place for us in terms of uh, it's probably, you know, it's about a third the size of, of Colorado in terms of population. And, um, you know, the we have sophisticated consumers both in Colorado and in New Mexico. And uh, you're seeing it grow tremendously in New Mexico. And adult use in New Mexico kicked off April the 1st, which uh, I know you're aware of, but some of the folks out there may not know that, which allows us to, you know, to sell to the adult use uh, customer as well as as medical patients, and we've seen that grow substantially. Interesting, right? So here, here's what I want to get to because it's it's about winning, and you gotta lay you gotta lay your stall out. You gotta get the the, the right pieces on the chessboard, right? So um, if I look at market share in Colorado, you've chosen, and and I guess New Mexico as well. You've you've chosen an acquisitive strategy there to get the footprint, the, the market share. But there's a, there's a kind of cost to that versus organic. So if you could explain 
to again, viewers, listeners um, to this program, why that makes sense, spending the money now to kind of set yourself up for potential future success? Yeah, great, great question. So if you look, if you look at it, where I mean, Colorado is a two point two billion dollar market. Uh, we've said that we're going to be exiting quarter four at two hundred twenty to two hundred sixty. So you can kind of do the math there. Now, some of that you have a little bit of New Mexico in that number, but you kind of get a relative. Uh, relative order of, of where we're at in terms of market share, et cetera, in, the, in Colorado. But when you look at that, we think there's great opportunities to buy businesses. So when you can be buying these businesses for you know a multiple of revenue or a multiple of EBITDA that's less than where you're trading, and you can pour synergies on top of that to, to create even more EBITDA and cash flow, that makes a lot of sense to do that. And then on the organic side, where you have new licenses and new geographies, that that's a cost-effective way too. So we're constantly looking at what's the what's the best way to get uh, to serve customers. So that's um, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. But again, so I kind of was thinking to kind of lay this lay this out for people to understand, which is your you mentioned the revenue numbers. Revenue numbers are you know obviously. Uh, impressive, you know, Q4 2022, you're talking a, a, a run rate range of around 220 to 260 million. Um, from, I think when we first started talking, seven, was that, was that about right? Yeah. Right. So the, right. The, right. the growth is there, but you've got to kind of plow it in. You've got to make investments now for again, for the, for, for the future success. But that maybe, do you think that affects the way people view you today or, you know, or how would you say that people should look at your company, the way you're setting it up? I'm, I'm looking back to your success at, Albertsons and the way that 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 grew. Are, are there any parallels? Uh, there, there, there absolutely are. I mean, I, I think um, I think investors ought to be investing behind uh, management teams that are that are tested and they've been through they've been through the battle. So you know, it reminds me a lot of two thousand eight uh, that we went through. We had a, a major. Uh, reset in 08 uh, and entered recessionary territory. And obviously we, we all know that was a rough period of time, but, you know, I think watching, watching your capital, I think betting on the right team, that's going to be good stewards of capital. They've been there, done it. They're going to watch their cost as well as try to grow in, a, in choppy, uh, choppy waters. I think that those are the types of teams you want to invest in. And, and you look at us on a relative valuation basis. Uh, we're very cheap. We're very cheap, and I think you're going to see our growth and our profitability. I think you're going to continue to see that going forward, and we'll get credit. So I think we're one of those uh, mispriced opportunities in the marketplace, and I think it's important for investors to bet on uh, to bet on teams that have been there and done it before. And I, I certainly think we're one of those. Okay, so creating creating um, cash flow is really really important. Margins are really, really important. Efficiency is really, really important. Um, you know, and you've, and we talked earlier on about potentially a jurisdictional risk component to this. Obviously, you know, Colorado, where we started off, it was, you know, it was kind of choppy. It was a little bit up, up and down. You, you've navigated those, as you say. You're now in New Mexico. It may come up against its own headwinds. And then you look sort of federally, you've got a, a government which is not yet Really signal to the market that don't worry, it's going to, it's going to be okay. You know, safe, safe banking, et cetera. Are you with your MA, are you just stick with those, those two states for now? Or, you know, are you eyeing up other opportunities to kind of reduce this kind of, this jurisdictional risk as it were at state level? No, I mean, great, great question. We're, we're focused on being a regional, a really 
uh, superior regional operator. So today it's Colorado, New Mexico. When we look at other states, of course, um, our principal focus today is Colorado, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, when, when you look at profitability, if you look at competitiveness, uh, et cetera, I think it's correlated to density and market share. And we're going to continue, we're going to continue to focus on that. And as I said, I think we're, I think we're a really well-run company. I think we're going to continue to come out with innovative, uh, innovative retail opportunities as well as new products. And it's all about investing in it and continuing to invest in the cycle, invest in your people, continue to listen to the customer and be good stewards of capital and how you invest. And we're going to continue to do that. And I think we're, uh, we're going to be one of the winners. I think we're one of the winners now. I think we'll be one of the winners uh, as we emerge uh, once we get some uh, continued get get federal federal help from a regulatory standpoint, which I think is around the corner. I don't, I can't predict the time frame, but I think it's no longer a, a party issue. You have Republicans and Democrats both uh, supporting cannabis, and a majority of adult Americans support cannabis legalization. So I think we've got things on our side. I think things will continue to improve, and I think you'll see cannabis stocks trade up substantially uh, in the future. Okay. I don't, I don't dig too much into the politics of it. You know, it's, it's kind of cross party, which is, which is great um, or st- starting to be, but no, they're not hindering you, but they're not helping yet by, you know, coming out and, you know, stating that it's okay. So states are slightly nervous, but no, no, you know, no, no one's being held back in that way. Um, by federally, the states are being allowed to, you know, regulate and, and monitor that them, themselves a bit with whatever, whatever degree of caution they're allocating to that. But can I, can I, I do what I do want to talk about is I want to come back to the numbers side of things, right? With your Albertsons retail background, I, I just want to, want to get into what should we be looking, what should retail high net worth families be looking at when we're looking into this thing? Is there any one, Big moment where you go, well, that's the thing which is going to dramatically cho- you know, ch- change our fortunes and, and that of, you know, whatever cannabis companies are around. You know, or is it lots of little things like new product ranges that, that, that come in, new stores opening up and, and it's just, it's the sum of the parts. I mean, how, how does retail work? Yeah. Well, yeah. Retail works the following. It's, it's, uh, it's doing a lot of, a lot of things well every day. So why is retail important? It's important to have retail, efficient retail, so dollar per square foot that you're generating revenues and profits and you've got great service there. Uh, That's important, but you've got to establish, in our opinion, our philosophy is establish a really strong retail network. And then you really, you've got great access to the customer. You know what the customer wants. You can start bringing in uh, new products from your partners and your own launching your own products. And that's where brands are made, Matt. I mean, that is where on the shelf is where brands are made. And we're in the first inning of brand development in the cannabis industry. So your initial question was, what, it's, it's a series of things. So retail is important that you have density market share and you run really good retail stores. You run a really efficient supply chain in terms of manufacturing, distribution to those stores. And you got to work at it every single day. And, you know, we get some help from the federal government that will, uh, you know, hopefully we get safe banking where our borrowing costs get lower. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, 
280E taxes that we have to pay. You know, we, we basically get, we pay taxes on the gross profit line instead of the income line. So you don't get to deduct your SG&A expenses. But once we get some of these key moves, our cash flow uh, grows dramatically. And, um, you know, it probably doubles. So the fact that we're still we're still generating, uh, we'll, we will generate free cash flow this year. The fact we're doing that with 280E without a lot of this federal uh, regulation is, uh, you know, we're one of the we're one of these uh, really great opportunities to invest in now, and you should see good returns in the future. Right. So you said you're, you're a good custodian of, of, of capital. Um, you did a fundraise um, end of last year, beginning of December, uh, 95 million bucks. Um, you do, is, has all of that been allocated? Um, have you utilized that? Uh, and, and more importantly, do you think that you, you did use that money wisely, you know, given it was, I think you did as a kind of convertible note structure? Uh, certainly part of it. Yeah, you know, I think, <clears throat> no, I mean, the answer is we still have, uh, you know, approximately, you know, $50 million of cash on the balance sheet. So we've not, we have not used all of that. And, you know, cash is, cash is king in this business. It's hard to raise capital. It's getting easier uh, up till about a month ago. Um, but so how, how does that make, Justin, how does that make you feel, right? You, you're sitting here, market cap, 70 million, you've got 50 million cash in the bank and you're throwing off revenue like you're you're and mar- with margins like you're you're doing at the moment, there's a there's there's a disconnect somewhere here, and whether that's with retail investors or institutional. But um, do you, do you think that people are just more broadly not not understanding what's going on in the market, or do you think in your case that there's a kind of eureka moment that is going to be required to kind of get people over the line because these these kind of numbers are. Well, divergent, let's say. You, you know, I think what it is, we've got uh, we've got good retail investors. They've been in the, they've been in this uh, investment or have been in the sector for a time, uh, for a while, and they've not seen any real federal movement. So I think you're getting some people that are frustrated with that. You have a wall of institutional capital that's not come into the sector because they can't because it's federally, it's still a Schedule One uh, listed drug. So there, you know, the the fidelities of the world and large mutual funds, they can't come into this sector. And once we get uh, safe banking and descheduling, they will be able to do that. And then all of a sudden, you're saying, wait a second, Schwaz is trading at four and a half times EBITDA. You have alcohol beverage companies and CPG, consumer packaged goods companies, that are trading at 20 times EBITDA. Um, by the way, Schwaz is generating 30, 35% EBITDA margins. These other companies are generating 20. And okay, let me understand the growth rate. This sector is about a $25 billion sector today. It's growing to $100 billion in the United States in the next few years. So let me get this straight. You've got massive growth. You've got massive profitability. You've got equity that is mispriced. They're trading at four or five times EBITDA. Some of the larger multi-state operators are trading at seven to eight times. And you compare that to other sectors that are trading at 15 to 20 times. It's pretty simple math. It's really simple math. And at some point in time, if we continue to do what we're going to do, we'll be trading at 20 times EBITDA. So, you know, four, you know, four X of 
probably where we are today. And that doesn't count all the EBITDA growth that we're going to have over time as we continue to grow the business. So that's why I believe in, in, in our in our story. I believe in what we're doing. Uh, we will have a day with uh, significant price uh, price movement upwards for for the stock price. I really believe that. So, okay, what I'm, what I'm hearing is you will carry on doing the business of running the business, looking at you know capital allocation, but also um, product line, you know um, re- revenue per square foot, um, new, you know with, with with these new new product lines and margins I- improving. But the the thing that's going to really move the dial is federally whenever the government in whatever shape or form comes out and and gives clarity to the states and to the institutions that they can move forward that they that they they will they will not be uh, punished or punitively or or, or 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 otherwise so there's a few things that I need to believe the bit that you're in control of I, I can get that the but the big up the uptake the big the big change seems to be still political at this stage. Um, so what type of investor do I need to be to be coming into a stock like yours? What do you think I need to believe in? Well, I think there's, I think there's a, I think there's three catalysts. So I think one, one is what we control, which is continue to take market share, continue to be a leader in cannabis, uh, being a professionally run business that's driving sales growth, driving margins and profitability. Uh, if you can, so that's what you control. And we've done a good job of that. And we're going to continue to work hard at that. Then you have safe banking, which is the next, which is the big catalyst that I think will free up a lot of capital coming into the sector. And I think you're going to get a re-rate in the multiples, meaning multiples are going to, are going to jump in terms of uh, how companies are valued. And then the last catalyst is descheduling. And uh, with descheduling or some capital markets, provision in there, you're you're going to be able to be listed on the NASDAQ New York Stock Exchange. So you've got more eyeballs, you've got more people that are in tune with your story. You know, today we trade in the NEO, which is a first class exchange in Canada. We trade OTC. And, um, you know, that's, that's great. But NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange is where we want to, you know, we certainly want to co-list there down down the road. And I think, you know, you get those catalysts going, you're going to see a, see multiples and a, a massive increase in valuation for these cannabis companies. Okay. So we're, I mean, more, more of the same, head down, get on with what you, you do best. Um, and the strategy doesn't uh, change or, or waver as far as you're concerned. Um, with 50 million bucks in the bank, have we got more acquisitions coming? Anytime soon? Uh, we're working on we're working on acquisitions. We want to continue to add uh, retail locations so we can uh, cover more more of the customer uh, in Colorado. We've uh, we've got opportunities in New Mexico as well. You're going to see us work really hard on new store growth in New Mexico, and those will be more organic. Doesn't mean that we won't do an acquisition in New Mexico, but I think you're going to see us opening uh, new stores uh, in New Mexico and serving. A number of new uh, new cities down there, so we're excited about that, and we're going to continue to to work on uh, the things that we need to do. You'll see us launching some new brands as we develop our house of brands in uh, in consumer categories. Today, we've got Purple Bees vape cartridges. We've got some exciting things coming out uh, around that brand, and that brand stands for highest quality at a good value. And uh, 
and we're going to continue to work on that. So, uh, yeah, more to come. We're excited about what we're doing. There's going to be acquisitions. There's going to be organic growth as well.